Block KC, how we doing tonight? Come on, let's hear it. Hey, I feel like I need to say this. I am cheering for K-State to win tonight. I really am. Go Cats. Ema. I went to school at K-State. I do love K-State. I am also a KU fan. Uh, the two can coexist. They really can. There's very few things that can, but those two things, they go together really well. You guys just don't know it yet. You, you have to uncover that. Uh, like Charlie said, my name is Nick Swearingen. I'm one of the directors here at the Block KC. Uh, we are thrilled to be continuing on with our third week of our Before I Do series. We've been talking about what is everything that we need to know, uh, both leading up to and moving into the I Do's, getting married, navigating relationships, singleness, dating, all of these things. We are just excited to uh, see what God does in this area of our lives. I, I know it's a huge felt need for people as we are navigating our 20s and early 30s. Uh, but before we get started, I want to tell you guys a little story about me. When I was a kid, my dad actually played guitar, which was really uh, fun for me to grow up around because my dad loves music. And so we would be listening to music really often in our house. He had a record player. He had uh, My Maria by Brooks and Dunn. Have you guys ever heard that song? No, not very many country fans in here. It's good. It's classic country. Uh, and when I was eight, my parents got me this little junior guitar. You know, it's like the, the one that doesn't sound that great. Uh, and I was so happy. And I would sit next to my dad while he played. And I would just strum that thing like crazy. And I had so much fun. And there was one issue is that I was terrible. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't even hold down chords. I just made noise. And so my dad had this beautiful playing, and I was just sitting there strumming uh, like a little kid, because I was a little kid. And if I'll be honest, I didn't really have any clue what was going on, right? I didn't know what the chords were. I didn't know how to make the noise that I wanted it to. And I had this vague idea of playing guitar that sounded fun, but it wasn't really clear what I was moving towards. And that, it continued that way for about five years until I turned 13, and I realized, man, I would actually like to learn to play this thing that I have. But I realized, man, I don't, I don't know what to do. I need a guide. I need someone to teach me how to play this. And so I started getting lessons, and my instructor, Ben, came over. And before we even started, he handed me a stack of Led Zeppelin CDs, which was awesome to hand to a 13-year-old. I was just listening to it, uh, put on my iPod Shuffle. That was the, those were the day of the iPod Shuffle. And he told me, Nick, listen to these and pay attention to the guitar parts. I want you to listen to what you're trying to play. I want you to listen for what you want to sound like one day. I don't sound anything like Led Zeppelin now. I don't practice enough. Uh, but then he started to teach me the chords, and he started to teach me the fretboard, and he started teaching me how to pick and how to finger pick and how to play a bunch of different styles. And I began to learn, and I had a foundation of which I could build my journey in playing guitar on that initial lesson of what it meant to have a guide in learning how to play guitar. And the reason why we start here is as it comes to relationships, uh, does anyone here like have a guitar that they have not played and like you wanted to learn and you bought a guitar? Couple people, couple people. A lot of times in relationships, we can kind of be like that, right? We want something, it sounds like a good idea, but we've never actually learned how to go about it. We've never actually learned how to successfully navigate relationships, ne never learned how to successfully navigating romance. And maybe you've tried. Maybe you just look at the whole thing and you're like, man, that seems so complex. Maybe it kind of hurts your fingers. Like you get calluses and you're just like, man, this wasn't as enjoyable as I thought. But what we all realize is that we need a guide as we do this. We need someone to show us both the end goal and also how to get there. 
And that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. Tomorrow, or not tomorrow, uh, next week we're actually going to be talking about marriage and specifically what that end goal looks like more. But tonight we're going to be talking about how do we find romance by following God's advice for us. See, God created love and marriage to be a really good thing. And yet over the course of the past 50 years, we have seen that as a society, we are getting worse. Take these statistics. According to Pew Research, 50% of all young adults ages 18 to 29 are unmarried. And if you compare that with 50 years ago, that number was 75%. And so we are rapidly dropping in our ability to navigate early marriages. And I'm not saying you got to get married. I'm not saying you got to get married early. But a lot of people want to get married. And it seems like we're getting married later and later. Y'all, 41% of all first marriages right now end in divorce. 41%. Of all young men and 40% of all young women are not even in any kind of romantic relationship at all. And so I think this begins to show us that we are not moving towards success in relationships. We are actively moving away success in relationships as a society. And feelings of loneliness are at an all-time high. Relational dissatisfaction is at an all-time high. All of these things, they, they point to signs that we need guidance. We need help. And we need guidance in finding romance. And so why not turn to the one who invented it, right? Why not go to God who designed romance? You know, God designed the way that men and women enter into relationships. And he designed everything from character to attraction to chemistry. God designed all of these things. And we need a guide. We need him to navigate us through each one of these aspects. And so tonight, as we talk about God's guidance for finding romance, before we get started, I want to raise awareness of two issues as we talk about this. Uh, the first issue is that in God's word, there is no passage on dating. Right? There is nothing in this book that talks specifically about dating. It's because dating has only been around for about 100 years. It is a very, very, very new invention as it comes to the course of human history. However, God's word is perfectly applicable to all areas of our lives. And that includes modern day dating, it includes love, and it includes romance. And the other issue is uh, that love is actually described in the Bible as a mystery. Check this out. Proverbs, it's known as the book of wisdom. Romantic love is described as something that's too wonderful to understand. Proverbs 30, 18 and 19 says, three things are too wonderful for me. Four, I do not understand. The way of an eagle in the sky, the way of a snake on a rock, the way of a ship in the sea, and the way of a man with a young woman. You know, what this is saying is that you cannot look at an eagle in the sky and think, I know exactly the, the, the course that that eagle is going to take. You can't look at a snake moving across a rock and think, I know exactly where that snake is going to go. We can't look at a ship and know just based off of looking at it exactly what's going to happen to it, exactly the course it's going to take. In the exact same way, we do not know how everyone's love story is going to play out. It's a mystery. We don't know. And no two courses look the same. It doesn't look the same for anyone. And so I think that's why it's troubling because we can kind of desire this like 10-step process for easy relationships. It's like, man, if I just do all these right things, it'll work out well for me, right? And I think we want to do this because we know the cost of doing this wrong. We don't want to mess up. We don't want to hurt someone. We don't want to get hurt. But y'all, there is no textbook on dating. 
And it's certainly not God's word. God does not give us the clear or easy answers. Because it's designed to be a story. It's designed to be a mystery, something that evokes awe, something that evokes excitement. And there's going to be twists and turns. There's going to be things we don't expect. There's going to be an unknown ending. And so as we approach tonight, what we're not going to do is say, this is exactly what you need to do to find love in romance. But what we are going to do is say, how do we learn to know the God who can guide us in all these things? Because he knows the ending. He knows exactly what path it will look like for each and every single person in this room. He's not going to be surprised by any of these things. And he guides us through his word. But again, that can be challenging because there's a lot of stuff in this book. And it's tough to know as I flip through this, man, exactly where do I go? Thankfully, in Matthew 22, where we're going to be tonight, Jesus himself says what are the greatest and second greatest commandment. And these two commandments are going to help us navigate how to find love and how to find romance. And y'all, my hope and my prayer tonight is that this would be something that protects us. This would be something that gives us hope. This would be something that brings simplicity into this area and cuts out some of the confusion, cuts out some of the noise that we can hear from the world. And I just pray that God will use this as we're dating and moving towards marriage as young adults. So let's pray and we get started. Heavenly Father, God, I just, I pray that we would go to you tonight as a guide. God, that as we are trying to navigate, God, just such a felt need, God, such an area that if we're honest, we can have no clue what we're doing. And God, I just pray that tonight would we hear from you, would we hear from your word, God, we don't want my advice. God, we don't want the advice of the world. We just want you to guide us. And so, God, will you make it clear what our next steps are for each and every one of us in this room and how we can trust you more in this area of you guiding us as we find romance and love in our lives as we're moving towards marriage. God, I believe that you'll do this. I'm excited to see what you do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, for context, in Matthew 22, there's these religious leaders. They're called the Sadducees. And they are trying to test Jesus by seeing if he knows what he's talking about. They're actually testing him about marriage and as it relates to eternity. And then another group of religious leaders, they're going to come up and they're going to get their shot at testing Jesus too. And so we pick up in Matthew 22, verses 34. The verses will be up on the screen. It says, but when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, or someone in that day that meant that you studied the first five books of the Old Testament... He asked him a question to test him. He said, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depends all the law and the prophets. Y'all, what Jesus is saying here is that everything in the Bible is founded upon these two commands. That we would love God with all of our being and that we would love other people the way that we want to be loved. And, and I can imagine Jesus, if you know much about the Pharisees, you know that they had all these extra rules and they had all these extra laws and commands and they put all these oppressive burdens on people. And Jesus is trying to simplify what it means to follow God. He's trying to remove some of these man-made obstacles and barriers. And in a very, very similar way, 
as I was preparing for this, I was actually scrolling through dating articles and romance articles, which was kind of funny to be scrolling through. Uh, there are so many different thoughts and voices and opinions, and a lot of times they all contradict each other. Like, I, I read one article that said, don't text back immediately after the first date. And then I went over to the other article, and it said, text them back right away and thank them. And I was like, these are right next to each other on Google. I went to one that said, don't date your best friends. And I read one that said, date the person that you're best friends with. And I was like, these are exactly the opposite. Like, what is going on? Some people are saying you should get married as soon as you know that you want to marry that person. And some people are saying you should date for at least three years before you get married. And I was like, what? What in the world? And people, whether it's our parents or whether it's influencers or whether it's just society or friends even, they can come up with all these different rules, all these different regulations of how we navigate our love lives. And the thing is, like we said, it's a mystery. There is no 10-step process. But there is God's word. And Jesus just makes it this simple. He says, Love God with all your being and love your neighbor as yourself. And that's going to be the foundation of the entire Bible. And that's going to be the foundation of how we have God guide us in this area of romance. That actually leads us to point number one of two tonight. Loving God guides us in romance. So you might be thinking, what does it mean when Jesus says love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind? It means that we love God with all parts of our being. It's very similar to how we would describe this today. It means that we love God with our feelings. We love God with our desires. We love God with our understanding. We love God with our reason. We love God with our goals and our hopes and our dreams and our purposes, our thoughts and our appetites. Everything that we are is focused around one being, and that's God himself. Other passages in the Bible, they include in this love God with all your strength. And that just means to the most of your ability. And basically it sums up in this idea that we treasure God more than anything else on this world. We treasure God above all else. That we, as much as we want a relationship, we want God more. That we love God more than any potential love. A commentator said of the word love that's used here, it said, when used of love to a master, God or Christ, the word involves the idea of affectionate reverence, prompt obedience, and grateful recognition of benefits received. Said in another way, loving God means delighting in God, obeying God, and fearing God. And we're going to break these down as they apply to our love lives. So let's start with delighting in God. Right, let, me, let me paint a picture for you guys, okay? You're strolling into the block tonight, right? You're headed to Made in KC tomorrow to play some shuffleboard. And you're, you're feeling pretty good, right? You're, you're feeling like you look good. You put on your best fit. Maybe you're going into the gym, wherever you're going to meet single people. And you're sitting there and you're kind of thinking, huh, I'm feeling kind of good. I might want to go talk to someone tonight. And you're kind of wondering, though, how do I know if I'm ready to start dating someone? How do I know if this is a right time for me? To enter into a relationship? The answer is when you delight in God. And what does this mean? It means that when your happiest, joyful, most excited parts of your life come into mind, you're thinking about your connection with the living God of the universe. 
And it's not always this feeling, it's not always excitement per se, but you know that the overarching theme of your life is a deep love and worship of Jesus Christ. And if you're sitting here and you're thinking, what on earth does that have to do with me being ready to date someone? I know it sounds crazy, but this will protect your future marriage. How do we know this? Because if you're delighting in God, that will directly lead to you being a blessing to your significant other rather than taking from them. Now, we've talked about this multiple times in this series, but no relationship can take the place of God. Not a single love relationship will ever come close to filling the spot in our hearts that can only be filled by our creator. And you can try to put someone in that place, but it will be very unfair to them. (laughs) And you'll either end up very angry and heartbroken because they let you down, because they're not perfect, or you'll end up obsessed and demanding all their time and attention because they haven't let you down yet. Because they're having to play God in your life. And so rather than delighting in a relationship, first we need to delight in God. Here's an illustration of this. Uh, When I was in high school, I I hit my growth spurt. I don't know if you guys remember this. Not my growth spurt, your own. (laughs) Probably don't remember. Uh, I grew about eight inches in two years, which was a lot. Um, And I just remember being hungry all the time. I wanted to eat. I wanted to eat so much food. I would be sitting in class, even right after breakfast, even right after lunch, and I would just be so hungry to find food. Like, I couldn't even focus on school because I was just like, I need more food. I need to eat right now. And when I got to lunch, for the first 10 minutes, I would not even talk to my friends. I'm like, I'm just eating right now. You guys, hang on, hold the conversation, I'm going to eat. And there was one thing in particular that I craved more than anything else. The Blue Valley School District, uh, they had these lemon poppy seed muffins. And I absolutely loved these things. I would think in my classes, is there a way that I can sneak out of class and go get a muffin from the cafeteria when it opens and I can eat it because I was so hungry. And my thought was, I want to go and get away and get this muffin. And I loved lemon poppy seed muffins. They're not good for drug tests, but they're good for an appetite. (laughs) How often do we love to get away and be with God? How often do you, as you go about your life, think, man, I just wish I could go get some more time with God. And I can't really focus on anything else until I do. If I'm honest for myself, it's not as much as I'd like. But there's an example for us in King David. He's known as a man who delighted in God in the Bible. And he sings this in Psalm 27, 4. He says, one thing have I asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Y'all, is that our heart? Is it the core desire of your life that you just want to see how beautiful God is? And you just want to see how awesome God is? Because if your relationship with God is not the thing that will satisfy you, then no relationship will ever satisfy. If you want romance more than you want God, you will settle for someone who doesn't love God that much. Because they're willing to try to play God in your life. 
and you're willing to let them try to play God in your life. And don't get me wrong, they might go to church and they might be a good person, they might be attractive, you might have great chemistry, but if they're not in love with Christ, eventually, whether it's after five months of dating or after five years of marriage, you will pay a serious cost for trying to play God in someone else's life. Only one being can fill the role in our lives and it's God himself. But if we delight in God and we date people who do, you won't have to fill the role of God in their lives because they're already full and they'll be a blessing to you and you'll be a blessing to them. And we love God with all our heart and with all our soul, with all our mind. And this guides us in romance. And if you're wondering what that looks like, that is what we talk about every single week at the block. It's the core of our purpose that people would delight themselves in God and how amazing he is. And this is what's going to guide us. We delight in God. Next we have we obey God. Have any of you guys heard the idea of the five love languages? Everyone heard, heard those? Cool. Uh, some people like hate these. Some people are like those are bogus. Some people are really big fans. Uh, basically the idea is that we all have these ways that we prefer to both give and receive love. Uh, there's five of them. Quality time, physical touch. Uh, gifts, acts of service, and words of affirmation. Basically, the idea captures uh, how do I want to communicate my love both romantically and platonically. And in a similar way, God has a love language. God has a way that he wants love communicated to him. And that's obedience. John 14, 21 says, whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. We need to love God by obeying his commands. That's how we demonstrate our love to God. It's by being set apart, living differently, obeying his laws for us in this book. And as it pertains to romance, this actually answers a lot of the questions that we can have about boundaries. Right? There are a lot of boundaries that are gray, and we'll get to how to think through those. But a lot of them are just black and white as it comes to dating there's a lot of questions like, how far can we go physically? How, where can we touch each other? How late can we stay up together? Can we take naps together? How honest should we be with each other? What do we need to be able to tell each other? Is a little bit of lying okay? Can I be a little bit angry with this person? When do I get to be selfish in the relationship? You know, God's word is very clear on these things. It says first, as it pertains to sexual morality, Hebrews 13, 4 says, Marriage should be honored by all, and the marriage bed kept pure, for God will judge the adulterer and the sexually immoral. And so rather than asking the question, should my girlfriend and I make out? Should we feel each other up? Should we sleep together? For the follower of Jesus, a much better question is, how should I respect someone else's spouse? How should I respect my future spouse? Is it loving to God how I touch my significant other? If you're a follower of Jesus, that means that you have told God that he is in charge of your life. And so we don't get to call the shots with what we want to do anymore. And if you're here tonight and you're not a follower of Jesus, I, I, I want to explain, you're not held to this standard. You can live as you please. It would be good if you followed God's advice 
But for the Christian, we say God is my Lord. That means he calls the shots. I, I don't get to think what I want. God's word is my command because I've submitted my life to him. I've submitted to his authority. And it creates a very clear boundary in relationships because, y'all, sex outside of marriage is destructive. It will always have consequences. Whether it's immediately, whether it's months or years or even decades later, there will always be a cost to pay for it. Always. Another boundary that we talked about is honesty. This is found in Colossians 3. It says, don't lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices. So that means that if you're dating someone, be honest. Don't make yourself out to be someone you're not. The temptation is that someone won't accept you if you're honest. But, if li- but lying and dishonesty, they're a fast track to destroying trust in a relationship. Sin has very dangerous consequences, y'all. It will destroy a marriage. It will destroy a dating relationship. It will destroy the spark of a romance before it even gets to start. It has consequences. And God, he's saying this because he wants to protect us. He's not saying this so that it's not fun, so that we don't get to enjoy ourselves. He's telling us this because he loves us. And we love God with all our being by obeying him. And that guides us in romance by protecting us from sin that has us not walk in fellowship with God. Finally, the last one, this is the big one. We love God by fearing God or living in affectionate reverence. The fear of the Lord, it can be a confusing or it can be a complex idea, but it's an idea that we respect God so deeply because we know that he is so different from us. He's holy. He's righteous. He's different. He's set apart. He's all-powerful. I am not like God. He deserves to be praised. And the fear of the Lord, it causes almost this sense of trembling. Not out of fear that God is going to punish me, but out of fear that I just don't want to go against God's plan because I respect him too much. I have too much respect for God to want to try to live my own life. And so the question for us is, do we fear God? Do we treat him as something commonplace or do we get a sense of awe and wonder when we think about the fact that we get to be guided by the God of the universe who's holding everything together at this moment right now. He's literally sustaining each and every breath that you're giving right now. Every single breath. And we get to know that God. It's an amazing gift. And it should cause us to fear him, have an affectionate reverence. And the reason why this is so important is because God's word says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Wisdom is important because it's how we practically take what's in here and we live it out in our day-to-day lives. And when we respect God, we want to follow his advice. I don't treat it as something that just someone told me. I don't treat it as just a suggestion. I think, man, I'm going to follow God because he knows what he's talking about, and I don't. And I respect him. And I've got fear of him. And that leads to wisdom because we walk in God's path for us. It's really what we need more than anything else because it's the way that God guides us through so many of those gray areas that are not black and white. The question's like, who do I date? How fast do we move in a relationship? When do we get engaged? What convictions do we have that are are not in the Bible? 
These are all aspects of dating that are guided by wisdom. Should I go tell the guy that I like that I like him and see if he'll ask me out? Should I ask out my friend even though I'm concerned that she might think I'm weird? All of this is guided by wisdom. Every single part of this. Proverbs 3, which we've said is the book of wisdom, it says like this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Y'all, really briefly, before we talk about uh, how to hear from God, look at verses 7 and 8 for a moment. It says to turn away from evil, and that will bring healing and satisfaction to you. Can I just tell you guys, you are never too far gone to experience God's best for you. There is no mistake that you have made. There is no sin that you've committed. There's no relationship that you've messed up too badly that God cannot work in you, that God cannot heal you. He just says, if you're willing to turn away from trusting yourself, if you're willing to turn and to fear me, I'll heal you. I'll satisfy. God is a generous God. He even says in his word that he gives generously to all who lack wisdom. And he gives it without finding fault. And so if you're here and you're like, man, I don't know what I'm doing in love. I don't know what I'm doing as I navigate my relationships and romance. God is saying, if you lack wisdom and you ask me, I'll give it to you. And it doesn't matter what you've done. The Bible says that God is near to all who earnestly seek him. It's an amazing gift. There's always hope. And then when he says, trust in the Lord with all your heart, in the same way that we love God with all our heart, we trust him with all our heart. That we just got to believe that God knows what he's doing. We got to have that faith to trust God. And I'm not going to trust my own logic. I'm not going to trust my own feelings of thinking, well, I think it should work out this way. Or I think it should have this timeline. Or I think this is how it should go. And I'm not going to turn to other people first, but I'm going to turn first and foremost to God. And I'm going to try to listen to and hear from God. And this is challenging because hearing from God requires something that we don't really get much of in our lives. It's the idea of quiet solitude. Y'all, our world is not set up well to hear from God. There are so many things that oftentimes drown him out. Things like media or busyness or the concerns of life. And these things, they drive us to do, do, do. They drive us to work, 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 consume, consume, consume. And there is very little time left to get alone and hear from God in a quiet space. Do you want to be wise in your relationships? Spend regular time by yourself, no phone, no music, just God's word in a journal to pray. And you sit there and you pray and you ask God to guide you. And you say, God, how do you want me to navigate this relationship? Do you want it to move forward? Should we become official? Should I ask this person out? Should we get engaged? And you sit and you listen. And you wait for God to guide you. And if we earnestly seek him, he promises that he will. He promises that. And then we write those thoughts down and we check it against God's word. And we make sure it doesn't go against anything that we're supposed to obey. And then we take it to a handful of godly people that we trust. That's why we talk about community so much at the block here. Because as you write these things down, you begin to wonder, okay, is this a good idea or not? The Bible says that we can figure this out with an abundance of counselors. 
Charlie talked about this several weeks ago. I'd encourage you guys to go check it out on Spotify. But as you ask these questions, God will guide you in wisdom. He promises that. And y'all, this is the challenging thing about giving a relationships talk. Because like we've said, there is not really one way to find a godly marriage. There's not just one path. And it looks different for everyone. Because I've known couples that have gotten married after eight years of being friends. And I've also known couples that have gotten married after eight months of even knowing each other. And I've known couples that got married at 20 years old, and they were married for 75 years. I've known couples that got married at 30. I've known couples that got married at 40 years old. And some couples, they're head over heels on date one, right? Date one, they're just infatuated with each other. And I've known some married couples that are godly marriages, and it took them months to even figure out if they were that attracted to each other. And now they're married for 10 years and have two kids. These are real stories. And these are all different kinds of people with various chemistries and attraction levels. But the one thing that they all have in common is that they sought wisdom from God. And they wanted God to lead them in this relationship. They loved God and they feared him. And that gave them wisdom and led them to successful relationships. Not perfect relationships, but successful because it honors God. There's a lot of single people in this room. And a lot of people are trying to figure out who to date or who do I ask out? Who do I let on that I might be interested to? <laughs> and a lot of times we can tend to overthink these things, right? We can kind of think, okay, uh, I don't know, like, I kind of get along with this person, uh, but also I'm not really sure, like, am I are they the most attractive person I know? Are they kind of attractive? And then we're like, but also, like, I'm really good friends with their friend, and is that going to make that weird? And also, like, our friends are kind of close, or our friends are not close enough. And, of course, oh, i got to factor in their relationship with God, and I just kind of run this whole, like, grid through our minds. And God's just like, wisdom takes all of that into account. Wisdom knows how to balance all of these things. And God will guide us in that. And fellows, I'm going to give you a special encouragement right here. God's word says that charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. And what this means is that not all girls you have chemistry with are liars. That's not what it's saying. It's not saying that all girls are liars. It's not it. But what it is saying is that chemistry is going to fail you one day. You will get to a point where you don't have chemistry. Beauty is not going to last forever. As attractive as someone is, it's not something to build a marriage on. But if you find a girl who's wise, if you find a girl who fears the Lord, you know that's going to last because she's going to seek daily wisdom from God and how to navigate your marriage. And so here's what you do, fellas. You ask out a girl who would make a great wife and a great mom. That's what you do. And then you can take all of the things like attraction and chemistry and, and friendship into account. These ideas are even found in the Bible. But most importantly, you ask, does she fear God? Does she fear God? Does she walk in wisdom? And so the question is, should you ask out the girl you're thinking of? And the answer is, I have no idea. Are you ready to date? I have no idea. Should you get married to the person you're dating? I am not sure. 
right? We don't need my thoughts on this. We don't need any one person's thoughts on this. It's called a mystery for a reason. But God knows. And he says if you'll love him, if you'll enjoy him and obey him and walk in his wisdom, he will guide you. And it's what it means to follow Jesus. It's the first greatest commandment. Love God with all you are. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. Point number two of two, loving others guides us in romance. Y'all, I I really love this. I love the simplicity of this. It's almost too straightforward. Like this is almost too easy. We should treat the people we're interested in. We should treat our boyfriends, our girlfriends, our fiancés like how we want to be treated. It's that easy. Got an amen. There you go. Fellas, if you don't want a girl to play with your heart and lead you on, then don't do it to a girl. Either ask her out or make it clear that you're not interested. It'll be a tough conversation, but I believe clarity is kindness. We're adults. We can talk things out. Ladies, if you don't want a guy to be super nervous or freak out when he's asking you on a date, then please do not freak out when someone asks you on a date. It's that easy. Ask God to keep your composure. You don't have to start planning your wedding and you don't have to stiff arm the dude if you're not interested in It's just one date. If you don't want to date someone who's a serial dater, then don't be a serial dater. If you want someone to care for you and to be kind to you, then do the same for them. If you want to be in a relationship that's full of open communication and patience as you figure out when do we become official and if or when do we get engaged, then be the person who communicates what you're thinking and feeling. Be the person who opens up in all these areas. Be patient. People have different timetables. People have different timelines of when they think this is appropriate. And it's going to be hard. But do you see, it's so easy. We just think, man, if, if I wouldn't want someone to do this for me, or I would want someone to do this for me, then I should do this for someone else. It really is that simple. And it'll take work. It'll stretch you, and you'll be uncomfortable at times. But if you want that from someone else, then be that for the person you love. We don't need to just say, I love you. We need to back it up with how we live. And y'all, this brings up two pain points that I want to touch on. One pain point is this, that we oftentimes have a distorted view of love. There's this increasingly common desire in the world for relationships that are toxic. For relationships that are built on disrespect or frustration or anger or aggression. Manipulation. And a lot of times this happens because our hearts get broken too many times and we begin to train ourselves to think that the roller coaster and the ups and downs and the highs and the lows and the rush of all of that, the heartache and the disrespect and the pain, we begin to tell ourselves that's love. And so that's how we love others. Because we think that's all there is. Y'all, can I just tell you, you are worth so much more than that. Don't settle for something like that. Don't settle for a toxic relationship. Don't settle for where someone treats you disrespectfully. Someone doesn't honor you. Someone who pushes your boundaries. 
someone who speaks angrily or speaks in a mean way to you, who puts you down, it's not God's best. God has the best of a love that's gentle and kind and patient. We're not out to break hearts in the kingdom of God. We're out to seek healing from Jesus. Please do not settle for someone that treats you this way. And please do not do that to someone else. The next pain point is that if we are loving others the way that we want to be loved, uh, there's this thing that you guys have experienced too. We all don't want the same thing, right? Because we're all different people. We're not the same. We have different preferences. And so as Jesus talks about loving others the way that we want to be treated, here's a very important aspect of this. Forgive others the way that you want to be forgiven. When a relationship doesn't work out and you break up, be forgiving. Leave each other better off than you found each other. So that one of your friends could ask them out and you could say, hey, you're getting a really good gift. I'm really excited for you too. And in relationships, I can tell you this, girls, as guys, we are going to be far from perfect. We're not going to understand you. We don't really know what you're saying all the time. We don't think the same way. It's kind of confusing. You're going to have to be patient with us. You're going to have to be forgiving. And And guys, in the same way, there are going to be things that just, Blow your mind with girls. And you're going to be like, what on earth is she thinking? Why didn't she just say what she meant? Like, why wasn't she more clear? I don't understand. And you're going to be tempted to lose your cool. But instead, you're going to have to choose to be forgiving. In the same way that you want to be forgiven. And we forgive people when they wrong us. And then we ask for forgiveness when we put unrealistic expectations on other people to read our minds. That's why communication is so important. No one can read your mind except God and you. And sometimes we can't even read our own minds, right? You guys been there? And if this idea sounds crazy to you, if you're thinking, man, I don't know how someone could wrong me and I could forgive them, I want to call to mind Jesus' forgiveness towards you. See, the Bible teaches that we're all enemies of God and he still loved us first. And we constantly do things that insult, hurt, and disrespect God, and he is still loving and willing to forgive us. Jesus took the punishment for all of our sin on the cross. Everything that you have ever done, every relationship that you have ever broken, every person that you have ever hurt in love, Jesus paid for that penalty. Jesus paid for that consequence of that sin that we talked about. And he says, walk away from that old life and trust in me. And so as Christians, we have been forgiven a debt that we could not hope to repay. And so we have no grounds to hold debt in our relationships with other people. And if you have not made the decision to follow Jesus and you're here tonight, can I just tell you a relationship with God will far surpass any human love that you can find here on earth. Don't wait to make that relationship tonight. All you have to do is say, God, I'm tired of living for myself and I want to follow you. And you don't have to know everything that it looks like. You don't have to have all the answers figured out. Because in the same way that he guides us in romance, he guides us in every area of our lives. And it's a step-by-step process. And it's a story that we begin to uncover 
as we walk through this. And so what we do is we love God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind. And we love our neighbor as ourself. Loving God and loving others is all the guidance for relationships that we need. Because he will guide us in wisdom and in obedience and in loving others and in delighting in him. Y'all, loving someone can be very hard. It can be stretching and challenging, but that's what love is. It is a sacrifice. And it's confusing and it's impossible to understand. It's a mystery. The way that a man and a woman come together in marriage, it's a mystery for a reason. We're not called to understand it. And so here's a final bit of wisdom as we ask the question, should I marry the person that I'm dating? How do I know if I'm ready to commit to that kind of love? You ask yourself this, are you willing to lay down the rest of your life for that person every single day? Are you willing to sacrifice your time and your comfort and your preferences for the sake of someone else? Are you willing to love them the way that Jesus loved you? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just ask that you would guide us in relationships. God, we don't have any wisdom in ourselves. God, we can't figure this out. God, if you leave this up to us, we're going to mess it up. But God, I am so grateful that you don't leave us in our sin. God, you don't leave us in our confusion. God, you don't leave us in our broken relationships and and our just lostness. But God, you come and you rescue us and you promise that if we turn to you and we ask genuinely that we want you to guide us, God, you promise to do that. And so God, I pray for every single person in this room, God, would we be men and women who seek your guidance? God, would we put in the hard work of trying to learn to love you first and foremost and delight ourselves in you? And God, would you give us the ability through your spirit to obey your commands? God, we can't do this on our own. I can do nothing on my own. And God, would you guide us to fear you and have an awe and a respect where when we think about what you've done, God, we're just amazed because how would a God so wonderful love me? And God, as we look at the people around us, God, as we ask girls out, as we have define the relationship talks, God, as we date, as we get engaged, God, just show us how to love people. God, would we love people the way that we want to be loved? God, but more importantly, would we love people the way that you have loved us? Sacrificially, holy, and in every way. And God, when we don't do this perfectly, because every single one of us is going to fail at this, God, would we remind ourselves that there's forgiveness in you and that we would be forgiving to one another. God, as we pray and as we sing, God, I pray that you would be doing work on our hearts. God, tear back a lot of the lies and the confusion, God, that we so often believe as it comes to finding romance. God, help us to have the courage to say no to unhealthy relationships and the courage to go and pursue godly people. Help us to have the courage to pursue godly marriages and raise godly families so that people will know that you are God. Not that we are great, but you are great. God, I believe that you want to do amazing things through this, things that we cannot even begin to understand. And God, it all starts with your word that we would love you with all of our being. 
And so God, that's what we pray tonight. Would you just help us love you more? We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.